0: RadioInfluence.com
1: Hey, gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He is Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. And uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us last week through our audible. Um, we actually had a whole show planned and then all hell broke loose in the country, as we mentioned. Uh, do want to send a big thank you to DJ Egan? Uh, you know, Brandon, I don't know about you, but. Uh, That conversation was enlightening on a million different levels.
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, (laughs) with all the craziness that had already been going on in the world with COVID, you know, I I, I had sort of taken myself away from all the news outlets, uh, mainly, um, you know, mainstream media, national media, that kind of thing, not local, really, just because, it, it, you know, with... uh, having to stay home and dealing with the frustrations that came along with that. Um, I didn't need, you know, more negativity in my life. So I just stuck to the updates, you know, and and kind of figured out when and where I could go when I could go. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I naturally was away from the new, from the news, um, primarily. And then, having to do or not having to do, it was a pleasure to do uh, the interview with Eakin. um, But I had to force myself into the the entire Floyd uh, situation. And, you know, we can't really have a deep conversation like that at all um, unless you're, unless you educate yourself on everything that's going around. So like, you know, listening to Lil Wayne's interview or Killer Killer Mike's interview, um, uh, some of the, you know stupid remarks from celebrities uh including government and all that stuff and then watching the unedited entire 10 minute you know uh killing of 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 george floyd and and uh you know and then and then right out of the gate after you know soaking all that in and you know and 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 then having to have that conversation you know it it left me pretty rocked for a few days and you know i i I think i sent you a text message maybe the day or two after and i'm like are you kind of like still messed up from that conversation and i don't think you knew what i meant but i was like i just think america's fucked up right now i think we all are and i think you said the same
1: (laughs) yeah i i mean it's i i don't want to say this but i almost feel like the country's foobar You know, (laughs) you you look around and, and, you know, the whole COVID-19 pandemic rolling right into this. And it's like, well, COVID-19, the the whole issue is still out there, but nobody's talking about it anymore because we've moved on in the news cycle for obvious reasons. But, you know, we're going to circle back to this COVID-19 thing. So it's still on the radar. And, you know, it's like every time you look around and you go, what else could happen? Something else happens, you know? I didn't and, think
2: it was going to be that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, I'd be lying if, if you know, I said I was perfectly all right with all this because, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody is, you nope. know. Uh, the, the stress level on a million fronts is just off the charts. And, you know, I'm, I'm a newsy by nature. It's the radio guy in me. And, you know, uh, I've been watching everything. I yeah. mean, everything I could find. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Fox News. I'm not a big fan of CNN because they're on two polar opposites of the spectrum. And, you know, as you and I have talked about, you know, we're not going into politics. Don't don't think we are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like there's no and there's nothing down the middle, you know, and it's like you flip from one and it's this and you flip to the other and it's that and it's just you don't know. Who or what to listen to anymore? So you try to make your own educated, you know, decision on what's going on, but you don't know what to believe and what not to believe. And people are just upside down right now, man. It's a tough time.
2: Yeah, I, I, can said it best, man. Like, he said, "I'm, I'm not okay right now, and that's okay to not be okay right now." Like that. I, Ever, that's that's the only way I can sum it up. I'm not all right. Like we're not all right. We the COVID thing, you know. Uh, the, I joke around the the quarantine 15. Like everybody everybody is talking about like weight gain. Uh, I swear to God, under- I think
1: I'm the only person in the world that's lost weight through this. But that, which is a good thing. I'm not. I'm good not bitching. You. I'm not good bitching. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I, I'm a perfectly okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, leave, yeah. Leave, I, leave, I, leave it to me to be the oddball again.
2: Right, but like you know, everybody, you know, COVID was such a a, a a just weird situation because it's it like it it I don't want to say it creeped up on us because. It kind of did, but then it came at us like full force out of nowhere, right? Because there were the there were all the memes going around about coronavirus and and Corona beer and stuff like that. <sighs> you know, all it, people thought that they were getting the virus from act drinking Coronas and stuff like that. And it was a big joke. And God all bless sudden,
1: those mental midgets. Exactly
2: right. And then uh, all of a sudden, it it wasn't a fucking joke. It was really it was the real deal. And 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 the entire country is you know freaking out, wearing masks and. Businesses are closed and people losing their jobs and and not being able to pay rent and, you know, so on and so forth. We talked about all that stuff. And then for this Floyd thing to happen, man, uh, it's almost like we couldn't take any more. You know what I mean? And and to go from an extreme like covid and we're not out of it right now, 100 percent. So we're nowhere near it. No, but then. But dude, I just the whole floor thing and everybody's everybody's got an opinion right now. Everybody's got an emotion right now and everybody's willing to fight right now, it seems like. Uh, And then you sprinkle some conspiracy conspiracy theorists, you know, on top of that which is just mind blowing to, you know, I don't know. I think that might be uh, a chemical imbalance of some sort, but um, I'm, I'm just saying whatever, but uh, you know, how much, how much more can we take at this point?
1: Hold on. I've got to take my tinfoil hat off. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know, you mentioned the COVID thing and, and, you know, personally I'm kind of in a weird spot because, you know, I don't know up from down, Um, you know, I've talked before about the autoimmune issues I have and, and this and that. So I've got to be real careful because I've also got a history of of, of collapsed lungs, you know, so it's like yeah, I'm looking around and yeah. going, well, do I go back to the office? Do I stay hidden in the closet in the fetal position like I've been for the last two and a <laughs> half months? What the hell do I do? You know, yeah, and it's like, right. you know, going to the office is fine because, you know, it's it's basically just, you know, my business partner, Jason Floyd and I. And that's fine. That's not the issue. The issue is coming right. in and out of the, of a public building, you know, because you don't know what to touch, what not to touch, how to touch it. If it needs to be touched, opening doors, who's touched the door. You don't know up from down anymore. You yeah, know, and, and to be brutally honest, other than to run to the grocery store and run to Costco, my wife and I haven't done shit for the last two and a half months
2: oh uh, yeah i mean i, I feel and, like i haven't done shit you know
1: yeah and that grates on you mentally as well because you know the whole country has basically been under house arrest
2: exactly that's exact. that's such a good point man that's a that's such that's such a good way to describe it It's what it feels like um, I kind of like not even what it feels like, but it really was because we were just stuck in here. I mean, we, the wife and I, and K, we, you know, we they, thank God we're fortunate enough to have a pool when you start to grill out and pretend every day's Saturday. But that got old mm-hmm. pretty quick. Right. But, you know, I'm trying to open up a business right now. And I was supposed to be open last week and I'm still under construction. So, like, we're all feeling it. You know what I mean? But the America and quite frankly, the world did not need the Floyd situation. Um, did, yeah, did if,
1: if there was a way to make a shitty situation shittier,
0: that was that, it.
2: That was, that was it, man. And I mean, whew, I'll never, like I, I only had to watch that one time and I'm not like, I'm never going to watch it again. But no. I mean that it's, uh, whew, I'm so, I'm. I don't know if happy's right or, but I'm. 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 I'm proud. I'm proud of whoever made the decision to up it to second degree from third degree murder.
1: Yeah, that was uh, Keith Ellison, the state's attorney up in, in Minnesota.
2: There
1: and, you go. Yeah, you know. And my fear was that he was going to try to go for first degree, which was never going to fly because that you need premeditation for that.
2: Exactly. And, yeah,
1: and there's no way they were going to get that because that guy didn't wake up that morning and go, "Ho oh, hum, I'm, I'm going to kill this dude today."
2: Yeah, but I feel like, by the way, about how he did that shit and his 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 past, his history and stuff like that, I I think he he woke up every fucking morning waiting for his chance to do that.
1: Well, the thing I'm encouraged by is once we got past the first few nights of the riots and the looting and that stuff, now we're finally starting to see, for the most part, throughout the country peaceful protests, which is, is, you know, what this country was was built on. And, yeah. you know, the, the people that are going about it the right way, you know, I, and I think I said this last week when, when Eakin was on, you know, this almost feels like the, the 60s civil
2: rights movement. there was 62, wasn't it? 62 rights? Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. But, yeah. you
1: know, it, it almost feels like the, the same thing from the 60s, you know, and yeah. history always yeah. has a way of, of repeating itself. And you know, I don't know what that says for the country when we're still having the same problems and the same debates and the same issues sixty years later.
2: I know it's, uh, isn't that crazy? And and it's 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 like amplified, right, or uh, magnify. I don't know. It's it's exploding because I guess it it, it never really went away. Racism never went away. It's yeah. never going to go away, right? And now it's it, now now we have social media. Fuck now we have social media and you've got people hiding behind the keyboards and, and saying anything and everything they they want to right now, because they can do it in their home with the behind a locked door, you know, with or, or in mom's basement, whatever the case may be. Uh, but people get ballsy on the internet and they say whatever they want to, because there's no repercussion really.
1: You know, we've talked before about social media and, You know, it's the greatest thing in the world and the worst thing in the world all at the same time. Yeah, man. You know, like you said, you've got the, you know, the keyboard maggots out there that, you know, do nothing but, but, you know, stir up trouble and troll and, you know, cause issues. And, you know, we we talked about that with, uh, you know, I think it was the the episode before last I mentioned uh, the Japanese pro wrestler that commits suicide, Hannah Kimura, um, because she was, you know, bullied online. Yeah, and, and there was a lot more to that story, but that's what pushed her over the edge. That's you up. know,
2: and there are a lot
1: of people that deal with that kind of crap, and and truthfully, it's it's unnecessary. I mean, nobody needs that shit.
2: No, man, no, it's it's man, and, and, and you know, and if we were ever to figure out a way to to beat it, something else will come up. You know, something, some some other type of bullying, some other type of fucking with another person will, will, will pop up. You know what I mean? And God knows what the youth of today is doing that we don't know about. I mean, I'm pushing 40 and I mean, anywhere, anything from fucking t- tide pods to, uh, you know, what, whatever the hell, I mean, I, I don't know where these guys come up with these challenges and, and, and whatnot. It's it's, just, it's, it's, it's sort of disgusting, but, but, the the ugly dog in the mix is social media it just
1: seems to me like people can't think (laughs) of themselves anymore
2: they have to follow and i i hate i
1: hate the analogy of sheep because i think it's so played out and it's so ridiculous
2: really that's one of my favorite though sheeple but (laughs) it hits the nail on the head dude I, i it's i you hate it i love it man i've i've been preaching sheeple for years, man. I mean, years. That's why my nickname was, was, uh, was goat or is goat or whatever. Yeah. Um, because, uh, and, and, you know, we've had the discussion about my logo with the goat and the tentacles right. and, and what that represents and whatnot. I don't have to rehash it, but it, it you know, sheeples and, a, a main reason for that, you know, uh, uh, it's it's society to me, man. It's it's the Kardashians, you know. It's a, it's everything that's wrong with this world, and everybody thinks that they have to live up to a Kardashian or some shit like that, or do what they do, or do what their favorite rapper does, or do what their favorite favorite uh, you know rock artist is, whatever the fuck, you know. It's it's it, it's it, it's never them. Right. It, there's no genuine realist out there anymore. I, I don't know or I don't know, it's just a bunch of followers. Sheeple would call it what you want, man, but that's what it is. Well,
1: And and I hate to, to group this guy in with the Kardashians because I think he's a much better person, but you know, you, you look at what happened to, to Saints quarterback, Drew Brees last week, you know, on the surface, what he said, you know, in my opinion, I understood where he was coming from. That said, he was also very misinformed on, on the whole topic of, you know, the whole kneeling thing, you know, for the national anthem and, and this and that and the other, the, the Colin Kaepernick situation. And uh, you know, look, I'll I'll fight to the death. You know, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing was never about the flag in the first place. The nope. the, the thing that made it, you know, about the flag was politics. And yeah, you know Yeah, and you know, I you and I both have a friend in, in former NFL offensive lineman Ian Beckles who, you know, also does some podcasts for, for radio influence as well. You know, his show today, uh, In the Trenches, where he normally talks football, you know, he drew the comparison. He goes, look, the, the sports world and the political world will always collide. You know, you go back to the days of Muhammad Ali and Cassius Clay, you know, all the way up to Colin Kaepernick, and, you know, it, it's all the same argument. And the problem is, and, and you know, for... NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, you know, now he looks like a complete and utter fool and a hypocrite by, you know, releasing the statement. I think it was yesterday or the day before, you know. About he how, said
2: we, we were wrong, right?
1: Yeah, we were wrong and this and that, and we didn't listen. Well, no shit, you didn't listen.
2: Yeah, well, I, okay. All right. You said uh, a second ago that it was uh, influenced by politics, and I said 100%. I need to take that back because. I, I'm not playing devil's advocate. This is just my own opinion, but in my mind, in my mind, it, it it did it did get heavy political real fast, right? Um, but I still personally believe that Cap chose the wrong platform to do to to, to you know to to kind of create awareness for for police brutality and, and and against uh black lives matter and all and all that kind of stuff. I just and I still feel that way um just because um veterans um people that are in service right now that are serving currently, you know what I mean, and uh the national anthem what it means to them and the flag what it means to them. It it's just it's it can easily easily get misunderstood. That's why I just I, I you know Shit, it's the biggest platform in the in, in 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 the U.S. to do something like that. I would think maybe that's why he chose to do it there. But uh, I I, I, I love that- when
1: topics come up that we don't discuss. We we didn't talk about you know talking about this today, and and I kind of I, I love that because it's it's yeah. you know off the cuff. I'll counter with this. Okay, if Colin Kaepernick were going to make a stand like he did, and that wasn't the way to go about it. How else do you suggest he would have done it that would have gotten the attention that he got?
2: Well, um, I'm I'm glad you asked. Um, well, I, he did take it a, a couple steps further when he was wearing um, those socks, you know, pregame with uh, pigs and cop hats on.
1: I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about that because I found that repulsive. I'm talking about the kneeling.
2: Okay. Well, well, you ask me what else he could have done? I mean, he did other stuff. Uh, you know, he 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 could have used his stardom, his fame outside of the national anthem per se by doing interviews, maybe creating um some type of nonprofit. Uh, you know, donations uh fight fight for it outside of of the arena where it might count more than uh, create a debate. You know what I mean? It, it, I, it I never, see where
1: you're going. I, I never, got you.
2: It never should have been a debate. Okay. Like the, what he, w- what he was, you know, kneeling for now, it, if it, if it took the Floyd situation for you to understand that, fuck off. But, but, but had he, had he done it in a different way, it wouldn't have created such a, a bad image it wouldn't have gotten
1: no, uh, it wouldn't have gotten the attention that it got.
2: Right. But but are we going to call it like good publicity and bad? It's all the same. I mean, no. Colin got-
1: Kaepernick has said all along that he was doing it to bring attention to the, the civil rights and, and the black. I don't want to say black lives matter because it didn't exist at that point. But but the civil rights and the racial inequality, he's never wavered from that fact. No, no, it wasn't him. Yeah, it wasn't him that made it about the flag or that made it political. It was always he and he's always stood his ground. So,
2: you know, but but in the process, in the process, our veterans and uh, and um, and men and women serving right now took great offense to that because he chose to do it during our national anthem while our flag is being watched by uh, you know, millions of Americans, if you will, whether it be at the stadium or on t- on television, and I don't know about you, but every time I hear that song, it makes me emotional. You know, um, I-, I love that. I I love that about me personally, and my love for this nation and that flag, and and for people that have served. So you know, and, and I-, I love it too when we go off the cuff and everything. But like I said, I, it created a, a really shitty taste in a lot of people's mouths when he did it that way. Right. And it's not that I disagree. I told you, like, I don't disagree, I, you know, uh, but the platform and, and, and outside of that, I'm still trying to answer your question. Uh, you know, ha, had he done something outside of the arena, I just think it would have been more impactful. I mean, the guy could po- probably still be playing in the NFL. Maybe, you know what I mean? Uh, not that it's really hurt his career. I think he's riding it for for what it is. In and my he,
1: opinion, he doesn't want to come back to the NFL. That,
2: uh,
1: that's just my opinion. He, because there have been teams that offered him a backup position, and he wasn't interested.
2: Well, and, who wants and, a backup position? I well, mean, okay,
1: but at the same time, you know there are only thirty two people in that position as starters. You've yeah. been out of the league now for three years. Yeah. What's going to happen when he comes back and somebody signs him? And he's and now he's three or four years older. You know, and he, he's he's going to go out and shit the bed. I mean, you can't stay at that level for that long, be away from it, and then come back and be a superstar. Right yeah, now, but he, he if, was
2: if, always throwing in stuff like that. Yeah, I but mean, there's a difference between hear...
1: throwing at NFL speed.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm with you there. You man. know, and, and
1: here's the thing: if he comes back and shits the bed, it hurts his cause.
2: <sighs> I mean,
1: and it's going to hurt his wallet.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, let's be I let's, think...
1: let's 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 be honest here. You know, I know. so I think. You know he loves the fact that he's got Nike on his on his side, Um, and and, you know, in my opinion, you know, (sighs) the other thing to look at, and I I know people say, well, that's a cop out, but it really isn't. There are only a handful of teams in the NFL that play his style of football. Yeah, you know, so it's not like you could just—it's not plug and play. You know, certain players don't fit certain systems. I would say there's only three or four teams that hit, that that he fits their system, and they've got superstar quarterbacks. So yeah. you're you're not gonna you know if you're Seattle, you're not gonna sign Colin Kaepernick and start him over Russell Wilson. No, you no. know, but that that's 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 a whole other conversation. We're not gonna get into that, but you know, yeah,
2: sports talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going. I'm, I dude, I'm I'm going back to my roots. But um, yep. you know, you said to do something you know off the field, and and I get that. But what you don't realize is that 95% of NFL players have their own nonprofits and their own charities that you've never heard of.
2: Oh, no, I, I completely agree, man. I mean, I will never, ever, 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 ever forget when, when the NFL find uh uh, Brandon Marshall for Mm -hmm. uh, dressing up his cleats for, for mental health awareness. And then, then, you know once they find him and it, it, he got the attention that he needed for that um then ne- the following year i feel like it was Nike goes and customizes all the players cleats and now it's acceptable right and after his fine you know i, I find that fucking ludicrous to be honest with you but but uh um it, it, i don't even know where i lost my train of thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'll say we we've totally went off course, and now people are like, well, oh, fuck that, they're talking bullshit. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that that led to, we, we were talking about celebrities and not wanting to group, you know, group this guy in, but Drew Brees made his comments about, you know, he took offense to the Kaepernick thing because, you know, it was disrespectful to the flag, and, you know, that's great, and Drew Brees stepped in it because, you know, he was kind of ignorant on why he was, why, why Colin Kaepernick actually did what he did and he got called out for it by 99% of the NFL. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know that that leads to the whole social media pressure and and this and that and the other and you know we've been teasing for 2 weeks now that we were going to have, you know, former Super Bowl champ Randy Cross on um you know and that kind of leads into, you know, what we had planned for last week until all hell broke loose. Um, you know, we'd seen the story about University of Tennessee quarterback Brian Moore. Um, he was a freshman last year. He actually started four games for the Volunteers. Um, he's a semi-local kid for us. He's, he's from Ocala, which is about, what, 90 minutes up the road from us, north of us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, story came out back on May 1st. Mike Wilson from the Knoxville uh, New Sentinel uh, did a story about Brian Moore, who came out about his struggles with depression. And this kid's story is just ridiculous. And, um, you know, I'm going to pull up his Instagram because this is where he originally posted, uh, you know, his story. And and I'm going to read it to you because I I don't want to get I I don't want to miss his words. So indulge me here for a minute. Uh, Brian Moore, uh, who's uh, at Brian Moore, M-A-U-R-E-R 18 on Instagram Uh, On May 1st, wrote, quote, in honor of May being Mental Health Month, I'm encouraging everyone to seek help, but also to speak up and to share their stories. Here's my story. Since the seventh grade, I've struggled with anxiety and depression. This battle has been long and hard, and it has been an everyday battle. In the seventh grade, my father was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Around the same time, my mom and stepdad split up, causing me to have to grow up pretty early. In the ninth grade, me and my mom decided it would be best if I moved in with my grandmother while she moved for a little bit, causing even more depression as I was no longer with my mom and younger sister. Let's stop right there. That's a lot right there. Uh, yeah. For a kid, you know, who's seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you know, what is that? Like 11, 12, 13 years old?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe. Uh, would you say 11th or
1: 12th? Seventh grade, ninth grade.
2: Okay, yeah. Probably 11,
1: yeah. 11, 12 years old? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. So, so
1: that's a lot right there. Let, let, let's continue. Junior year of high school, one of my best friends committed suicide, and I had never felt so low in my entire life. One of the strongest people I've ever known lost his battle. Dwayne always had a smile on his face and was always telling me I was going to be something great. At this point, I knew I was in trouble, but I still refused help from anyone. Okay, so now... Dad's sentenced to 25 years in prison. You get shipped off to live with your grandmother because your mom and little sister are moving around. And now your high school, your your one of your closest friends commits suicide. All before your junior year of high school. Okay. I, I, I can't even fathom. Sen- no. Let me continue. Senior year, senior year of high school, I lost two friends to gun violence. I slipped even deeper into a black hole, and I turned to everything else but seeking help. I was embarrassed to be like this. I always thought as a guy, I had to have tough skin and not let anything bother me. What, what, do, we does that always, sound familiar? what do we always talk about?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, it's in, it, it's pretty much in every dude's, uh, every dude's story. It comes out and talks about, um, mental health issues and depression, depression and all that kind of shit. It's always, a it's always a macho thing, right? Yep. We're not allowed to feel that way.
1: Yep. He continues. I thought I needed to stay strong for my family and that they couldn't see me down and that I was their shoulder to cry on. I always thought I needed to be the shoulder for people to cry, and when deep down, I was screaming for help. Now, here's where it gets deep. Keep in mind, this is Brian Moore, freshman quarterback at the University of Tennessee, starter of four games in his freshman year, which in the SEC is almost unheard of, by the way. Yeah. He continues, on Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, I planned to take my own life. I thought I lost my battle with depression and that my pain had come to an end as I was going to do it. I looked up and I said, God, if this isn't your plan for me, please send a sign. Two minutes later, my mom called me with my baby nephew Jeremiah, and she said she was just calling to say she loved me. I then Mm -hmm. knew that by ending my pain, I would be causing so much more to the people who loved me. Think about that.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I, I. He's fortunate to have realized that, you know, I
1: got that. That hits so close to home because, you know, I, I, I talked about my story in 2013 and how close I was to, you know, come under that conclusion. And had it not been for my mom and my wife showing up when they did, I, I don't know if I would have done it or not. Right. You know, and for this kid who, you know, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say he has a high-profile job, even though he's a student-athlete. That's a job. It is. You know, an 18-, 19-year-old kid to open up like this publicly and to have it in not only the local newspaper, but the freaking USA Today, I can't even imagine what this kid was going through. I mean, uh, it's And just for full disclosure, I did reach out to some of my connections at the University of Tennessee to try to get Brian on, and we just couldn't make it happen. But I I want to let you guys know that I I did at least try to make that happen. But, you know, we talk about social media and we talk about the the bullying aspect of it. We talk about real life. You know, this kid is uh, this kid is an amazing story.
2: Yeah, no without a doubt, man, without a doubt.
1: And and I give him credit for realizing at his young age that by opening up and sharing his story that he probably helped a lot of people.
2: That's the most amazing thing, you know. Uh I, you, the the fact that the, I feel like that's the hardest thing to overcome when you get to that point in in your life uh where you just you can't take it anymore and you want to end it. I think <laughs> the mental game that, that he, the that the state that he was in to overcome such adversity as as that point of giving up um I mean much respect dude because so many people can't get there they their minds just can't 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 survive that moment you know what I mean and and he did and uh Shit, man, I would love to. I would love to talk to that guy. <laughs> I, I'm.
1: I, it's a long shot, but I've got some friends in Ocala that may or may not know him. I'm. I'm trying to go backdoor on some things to try to get him on. I, I'm. I'm not, you know, putting much stock in it, but I, I'm trying because I. I would love to have talk to this kid as well. Yeah. But you know, you see that, and then you know, you look at all of the NFL players that deal with concussion issues. You, you see players deal with CTE and all of this affects their mental health you know and that's part of why you know I wanted to have Randy cross on uh, because it was actually his podcast where I first heard the story of you know, Brian Moore and you know I first off before we we get into the interview I, I've got to tell you you guys and and Brandon knows how this all played out the day we recorded.
2: Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> 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 um, um, we we
1: we's, ab- we's about to break down the fourth wall. Um, so so the conversation you're going to hear is actually Randy and I. Um, it's the second time we talked the day we recorded. Uh, Brandon and I had a great conversation with him. It lasted about 35 minutes, and when I went to edit the audio, the audio didn't exist on my computer. Uh, something happened with my recording software. It glitched, and it ate the file. So after I got done throwing up, um, mm-hmm. I, I called Brandon. I'm like,
2: uh, dude. It didn't um, record. It didn't record. Oh, God, it didn't record.
1: Um, um, I, I've done this stuff for 22 years, and this is the first time it's ever happened. So I call Randy, and you were on the call. I'm like, Randy, I'm so sorry. Please don't hate me. And he just starts laughing. So luckily, he was a good sport about it. Yeah. So, you know, we had we second time we recorded was a couple of hours after the first. So in, in that little window, I, I had to run a quick errand. And, you know, I drive through Starbucks to caffeinate because, well, that's what I do to keep going. I put the mm-hmm. window in my car down. The window doesn't come back up. I'm like, what the hell? Uh Yeah. So so now my editing software broke. My car window broke. And did I mention it was supposed to rain that afternoon? Yeah, so now my car window <laughs> won't <will> go
2: up. <laughs>
1: so I'm like, shit, now I got to deal with that. I come back, record the interview. You can't do it, which I feel horrible about. But it goes off without a hitch. You know, then I, I take the, the car to the dealership. They can't fix it, but we got the window up. Come back to work on it, and my internet's out. So it was like one of those days that everything yeah. I touched turned into to runny, pea soup, green, baby shit. So I, I want to first and foremost thank Randy for being so gracious with his time um, and, and, you know, letting us you know record the interview again. Um, but it was his podcast that you can find on YouTube and, and anywhere you find podcasts where I heard Brian's story. And, you know, that's why we wanted to have him on to talk about that, talk about his playing career if you're not familiar with him. He's only done, I don't know, a little in the NFL. Um, I mean, he won three Super Bowls, was on the same offensive line that protected for Joe Montana. um, You know, was on the the legendary 49ers teams of the 80s, and uh, you know, he's also in the College Football Hall of Fame. So he's only accomplished a little bit in his life. Um,
2: You know, we can't forget about the 1976 Rose (laughs) Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we so. we ta- I, we we make sure to talk
1: about that because uh okay. yeah okay. yeah for 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 well obviously you can't hear it now because the interview's gone but Brandon's <clears throat> family is all Ohio State people and Randy Cross and UCLA beat the hell out of Ohio State in '76 so he had to rub it yeah. in
2: yeah. But, uh, I know. I- yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna sit on this one for for a second, because <laughs> if 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 nobody knows, but I'm sure everybody knows. I basically married Ohio State. Oh. Like my mother-in-law was a national champion, like uh, swimming and and, and whatnot. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, I I had a joke in that interview that is no longer, <laughs> but uh, rub it in, man. Yeah. Rub it yeah. in. Yeah, so, hey, yeah. hey here's here's
1: the wound, and let me hand you the salt. Go ahead.
2: well but uh, i just wanted to i don't know i just wanted to elaborate on that uh game just a game it's just a game it's a big deal
1: deal. (laughs) it's funny you married into an ohio state family because my whole family (laughs) is uh, for those that don't know i was born a little east of cleveland but you know my family moved down here while i was still in diapers so i call tampa home so i'm like just to be the contrarian anytime ohio state plays anybody they could be playing, be playing like the St. Mary's Girls School of the Blind and Tiddlywinks, and I'm <laughs> rooting for the blind girls. Um, you know, so yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. But uh, you know, it was a great conversation with Randy. Uh, again, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time and understanding the situation. And uh, we want to bring that interview to you right now. Randy, hey, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. I feel like I should be bumping Groundhog Day. Uh, This is the second time we've talked to you today because of a computer glitch on my end. Uh, So I I really appreciate your graciousness with your time and and everything, and you're just always so awesome to deal with, and I really appreciate it. Thank you for re-recording with me today.
3: Nah, no worries at all. If we've learned anything over the last few months, it's patience. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's that's for damn sure. <laughs> Dude, I, I, technology has something against me today, but that's another story. I wanted to have you on because um on your podcast, it's available on YouTube, uh YouTube and all anywhere podcasts are found. It's the Randy Cross podcast. I highly suggest you guys checking it out. Um on episode 100, you talked about Tennessee quarterback Brian Moore and his struggles with depression and um, for those of you not familiar with the story, um, he posted on Instagram back on May 1st that he was going to commit suicide on January 22nd, and he, this poor kid has been through so much, Randy, and I, 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 I give him so much credit for even coming forward with some of this stuff.
3: It's, it, it, it's amazing that, it, that he would do that, um, and I think part of it is kind of the net result you know, of his decision that he was going to make um, that was interrupted by a call from his mom, <laughs> uh, just basically conveying three pretty simple words to him. I love you. And, and it really, I think, set him right uh, as far as all that. And it's just a reminder, you know, that, that there's a lot of people. we Most of us have no idea, even family, you know, what's going on between their ears. So... It never hurts, never hurts to throw an I love you in there and ask people how they're really doing just to, just to check in. But it was, a, it was a good ending. It was, uh, you know, kudos to college football talk and, and everybody else involved that, that got that out there and, and got it in front of people because these days that's, that's kind of like the other thing that people don't talk about is, is the mental health side.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, that's the whole premise of of this podcast. And, you know, Brandon and I openly admit we're not mental health experts at all. But, you know, we're a couple of guys that have dealt with our own battles. And, you know, if our stories can help anybody else, you know, that's why we're doing it. And we've seen a, a really positive reaction from it. But, you know, let's talk about the stigma of mental health, especially, you know, with men and in in the athletic world, in the sports world. You know, there are so many guys that deal with this kind of stuff. And, you know, the whole stigma is, oh, just rub dirt on it. I'm fine. You know, don't worry about it. Uh, You know, this, that, the other. And and it's not the cool thing. It's not the machismo thing to admit, hey, you know what? I've got some problems going on and I need help. And, And I don't know how we go about breaking that stigma.
3: It's not going to be easy. I I think to a, to a somewhat, to a degree as a society, it's getting to be much more commonplace to either a talk about it or b just sort of admit that there is some kind of an issue. Um, And that's a, that's a fantastic thing. You know, I, I think back, back in, back in the proverbial day, I would say 30 years ago, it was completely different 20 years ago it was still pretty different. Even 10 years ago, um, I think it was, it was, was, you're admitting a flaw, you're admitting a weakness, you're, you're sort of letting, letting the doubt and the weak in. And ironically, for the people that do have the guts to kind of confront this and, and, and deal with it, it's the exact opposite. You know, it, it comes to be a strength, it comes to be, you know something really really positive not something negative so i you know net result it's it, it makes us all i think a little bit better the, the fact that people can feel comfortable doing stuff like that
1: yeah no doubt and you know it, it's 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 a it's a sad state of the world where people who need help are either a afraid to get it or b don't know how to get it and you know We're talking about the sports world and the athletic thing. And, you know, I I, again, I'm sitting here while we're talking, looking at Brian Moore's Instagram post uh, about, you know, wanting to take his life on January 22nd of 2020. Mm -hmm. And he said, quote, you know, I I thought I lost my battle with depression and that my pain had come to an end. And I just looked up and said, God, if, if this isn't your plan for me, please send me a sign. And like you said, literally two minutes later, his mom called. That's just I mean, I I don't I'm not the most religious person in the world, but sometimes there's just divine intervention that jumps in and it takes over, you know, and I I don't know if that's, you know, a mother's love or or ESP or I I don't know what the hell it is. But it's such an incredible story. And, you know, so many athletes and, and like, you know, like we've talked about, you know, men in particular are afraid to talk about it and you know in the sports world in particular i'm sure you played with guys that that dealt with issues themselves and and probably never got help either
3: yeah i mean most most work environments are com- in- incredibly competitive so something like this can e- either be perceived as a as a weakness or it can be per- perceived as something you can take advantage of um you know, there's plenty of guys I played with where, when I was still in the NFL and even in the college side that had some pretty good mental issues. Um, but you know, it wasn't anything people made a made a public knowledge. That's for sure. And it was something you know you kind of you kind of joked about it. You know, so and so, hey, he's kind of crazy, but at least he's, he's our crazy guy. Um, yeah, and and it's it's just something that now, thank goodness, has become. Not that it's more prevalent. I, I think dealing with it is more prevalent. So that sort of makes it seem like there's just, you know, an increased number of people out there. But, you know, there I can't tell you between guys you play with or guys you play against, you know, uh, the erratic uh, moods, the erratic performance, the erratic, um, you know, kind of personality changes some people go through. Um, it's something that, you know, as a non-trained professional, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to have a PhD after my name, name or an MD to know some of these guys had some, had some stuff going on, but you know, nowadays, whether it's a college program or a professional program, you know, in the NFL, it's something that is just, you know, it, thankfully it's getting to be where it's just right there with a high ankle sprain.
1: Right. Yeah. No. You're 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 spot on, and thankfully we've we've progressed. You know, uh, not only in the sports world, but as a society that people can uh, get the help they need, and they are starting to finally be able to open up and talk about it. And you know, that's like I said, that's the whole reason why we're doing this podcast that we do yeah. now. One thing that well, you uh, know,
3: and actually, when I first saw that college football talk article, and then I reacted it on my podcast to it on my podcast last week. Um, one of the things that struck me was, God, I don't see stories like this very often. Right. And then the other question was, why the hell don't I see stories like this more often?
0: Cause, yeah, it,
3: it may- know, there there are a lot of there are, there are a lot of Brian's out there.
1: Oh, there are a ton of Brian's out there, and you know, I like I said, if his story can help, you know, even one person that is on the verge of, of suicide or suffering from severe depression, then, then him putting his story out there is is so worth it. And, you know, it takes so much courage. And we talked about this when we recorded the first time, uh, you know, so much courage for him to be able to step up and say, hey, these are the thoughts I had. And, you know, I don't know how to really go about getting it taken care of, but I'm trying to. And, and the first step yeah. is always the biggest
3: I don't know if you you know you're you're young, you're younger than me, but there was a sports movie um, about a guy who played for the Boston Red Sox, I believe, Jimmy Pearsall, mm-hmm. and he had while he was active, he had some some real issues, and they made a movie about his whole experience and what he went through as a pro player and, and whatnot. And I remember that. In fact, that was so long ago it was black and white. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but but that was you looked at that i remember seeing that as a kid and going wow
0: was the
1: movie fear strikes out
3: yeah yeah it is fear strikes out yeah, yeah. So, so so you know at that time that was highly unusual i mean highly unusual in fact i don't think i heard any reference or saw any reference to any kind of mental health issues for maybe 20 years after that wow you know, now it's and, and the great thing for athletic departments. Uh, around the country, which work, work in conjunction in the college game around, you know, a lot of student health services. It's it's 100% anonymous. It's it's not uncommon. You see guys getting that help, you know, quite quite often. And even you know when you when you talk about guys that are getting drafted, you know how no one needs to be named. But this is, if people think, oh well, it's, it, that doesn't happen too often. You'd be amazed. How many people have played in the NFL or play in the NFL that have had to have some sort of a, you know, medical intervention, you know, from that standpoint, from the mental health standpoint?
1: Yeah, no doubt. And the, the, you know, one of the names that pops into my head is Brandon Marshall. I know he, uh, the, you know, the longtime wide receiver in the league, you know, I, I believe he was diagnosed with bipolarism and uh you know mm-hmm. now he's you know that that's kind of his passion is is trying to help those who suffer from bipolarism so uh yeah absolutely and and you know you mentioned jimmy pearsall uh you know that movie chronicles the nervous breakdown that he had um and, mm-hmm. and the time he spent in a mental institution so I, I i highly suggest everybody check that out but um you know one thing that's near and dear and, to that, you,
3: and that and that and that also jerry is one of the shows you a pretty good change in philosophy treatment and mentality you know back then when you had your mental your mental issues you know they were going to put you they were going to put you in a in a hospital a medical institution right. and those weren't they were they were hard to get in and they were harder to get out and you know there was such a stigma around that back in those days right so yeah it's uh it's a pretty severe, pretty severe thing. But thankfully, it's uh, it's dealt with in a, in a pretty common in a pretty common way now. Well, you had
1: mentioned some some kids in the draft and, and the background that teams do when when you know going through the draft process and this and that and the other. You know, when teams get you know red flags on guys uh, about mental health and and possible mental illness going on. You know, have you heard of any stories where teams have taken guys off their draft board because
3: of it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, 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 I mean, I, 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 would hate to,
1: I would hate to think that actually happened instead of trying to get the kids some help.
3: Well, the character personality is kind of an all-encompassing category, you know, when it comes to draft evaluation. So has it happened? Yeah, I'm sure it has. I don't think there's any doubt. It's it's just that's the reality. They're they're not the whole pro sports world in general is not exactly open minded. Uh, that's when for it sure. comes to that. They've got they've gotten a lot better, but they're not exactly open minded.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that's near and dear to your heart is is the concussion issue. Uh, you know, and this kind of ties into the mental health aspect because of, you know we we've seen so many former players suffer from CTE and not know what was going on while they're alive. And of course the testing for CTE can only happen, you know, once, once someone has passed. And uh, I know you've donated your brain to uh, CTE research and, and concussion research and the work that, uh, you yeah, Chris Nowinski has done at the concussion legacy Institute has just been amazing. Um, you know, I know you haven't suffered too many, you know, side effects of it but but the concern is still there.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It it, it has to be. I've I've just just being an observer of those around you and um some contemporaries <laughs> and and some people that played after I played that that have had to deal with whatever their issues have been whether it's been, you know, depression or some of the character changes that have occurred that later on after You know, sadly, they've passed that, the you know, in postmortem, they do diagnose something in the way of CTE. But, you know, CTE and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and dementia and, you know, all these, you know, terrible things that happen um, to you from a mental health standpoint, uh, which it's getting to be a pretty accepted fact that repetitive head injuries can go a long way towards, towards bringing some of that on. But, you know, I I, I think it's just important for the young people that are starting to play now or the people that are playing now to make those informed decisions. And and, and they've got the facts, they've got the information, um, which is something we didn't have, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, um, not until really around 2000 or so. Could you say slap, you know, fact that, yeah, yeah, this is what it's this is what's going on. Whether you admit it or not, you kind of knew what was going on. Um, so it's the ability to spread as much information as possible um, to as many people as possible, just to get some eyeballs, you know, on on this this side of the the mental health standpoint. Because if from a from a mental health standpoint, if if you can find some sort of mitigating factors as to what brings. This sort of misery into people's lives later in life, um, I think it'd be an absolutely monumental uh, discovery if you could actually find those things.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you, you played with so many guys, you know, the the Dave Dewarsons that had, you know, the CTE issues. Uh, you know, Mike Webster comes to mind. I mean, the entire movie Concussion mm-hmm. was based around him. Uh, you know, I was friends with Tom McHale, who also played in the league for quite a long time, and uh, Tommy was just a, a great guy, and, you know, when when his downfall really hit, I mean, it, it kind of blindsided me, because I didn't know he was having those kind of issues, and, you know, it was just, it, it was heartbreaking, because he was just this big, gentle giant, and it just, when it turned, it turned quick, and, and you know, it, it we when we talked before, you know, we, we talked about you playing, you know, you're 6'4", about 270, and, and now there are guys playing the same position you did all these years later that are 60, 70, 80 pounds heavier than you were, and the game has just progressed so much, you know, from a speed and power aspect that every time these mm-hmm. guys get hit, it's, it's like a mini car crash. And, yeah. you, know, you know, when you think about it, you know, these guys are having 35 to 40 car crashes
3: a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of been the analogy forever about, about the game of football. Um, The, the sort of good news is the game has gotten much safer, I think for the participants, Um, if there was a lack of, not lack of control, but I should say lack of, Legislation, lack of lack of rules, lack of um, you know the, the officials and the coaches sort of taking it upon themselves to to make this game safer. Um, the physics of this thing, when you start thinking about it, I mean, you just look at some of the players that are look at Isaiah Simmons mm-hmm. from from Clemson. he got came beast. out this year. I mean, he's six four, he's two hundred and forty one pounds, and he ran a four three seven forty. do that do that math, do that math on you know size and velo- weight and velocity and mass. I mean, just it's it's scary the numbers you can start cranking out. And though there were some big guys, I mean, John Lynch was a good sized guy. Dennis Smith was and Atwater and, and go through all these these guys that were big hitters. Um, but now there's, they're adding some significant speed and it's not unusual. So, but the game has changed. Those big splatter hits that used to be commercials and ads for the NFL, A, they don't do those ads anymore, uh, because of a lot of the attention on this subject and B, those same hits, though they do occasionally still happen, they're, they're quickly followed, by you know flags, fines, and uh, suspensions, so it, it's something they're 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 starting to get that out of the game, and that's good for everybody involved. Because like you said, you know, you look at the size, you look at the weight, you look at the speed, and those collisions could be pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, I mean, guys like Lynch and Atwater that you mentioned, Chuck Cecil, you know, guys like that. There's no way they could even play in the league today.
3: Oh, or, you know, a guy I played with that's a Hall of Famer that's, you know, one of the better defensive players ever, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lot, yeah. I mean, he, made, he he was he, – people forget, he came in the league as a corner. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Um, and he was a beast early in his career. I mean, he used to abuse people. That's I tell people all the time, you know, don't get on your high horse about – you know, defense or offense or this position or that position is the best it's ever been, you know, get out some more tape. Look at what Ronnie Lott did as a corner. Look at look at some of the things that Mel Blunt did at Pittsburgh. You could throw Rod Woodson and, in there as well. Yeah, and Rod. But, I mean, you look at Mel and Mel's size. I remember the first time I was in a Pro Bowl, uh, January of 82, because – I think Mel was in, he was in the Pro Bowl, as was Jack Lambert. And they were the same dang size. Mm. And I remember looking at that, looking at those two guys going, you've got to be kidding me, that's a corner? <laughs> you know, so a different style player. Mike Haynes was a guy that was, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds, but he was never really the hammer type. right? Um, but those guys, you know, the, the blunts and the people like that just abused people. And and but that's another adjustment the game has made. So from that standpoint, I think it's it's fantastic, and they've they've actually kind of uh, I don't know they, they they've they've shown a little growth.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned Ronnie lot, because during my time with the Buccaneer Radio Network, his son Ryan Neese was a linebacker for the Bucks, and yeah. he and I got to be be. But well, kind of, I'm not going to say we were friends, but we were on we were yeah. on really good terms. And you know he's such such a class guy, and you know he would tell me stories about you know his dad, and it's just you know it, it's amazing. And and speaking you know, speaking of Ronnie Lott and, and the dynasty you guys had, you know let, let's talk a little bit about your time in the league. You know you've got three Super Bowl wins with the 49ers. You lived through the whole 49er dynasty days. You know, blocking for Joe Montana and playing with the likes of Jerry Rice and Roger Craig. You know what? What was it like being in those huddles?
3: Uh, it was pretty crazy. It was an advantage, I tell you that. Um, and you, it was something you knew from the very beginning. You know, it's, I was with Joe from '79 through the end of Super Bowl '23 in January of '89. Um, so ten years of that, and he was. A, a huge advantage, not only to us, but actually, you know, once he started proving and it started with a comeback game in 80 against New Orleans, where we were down by 28 and he led us back in the second half to come back and win, but then doing it on a repetitive basis. Now for that 10 years, um, you, you'd look at a defense and you'd see it in their eyes. They knew they knew they were screwed. They knew they were in deep, deep trouble, um, and that was that was an advantage not only to him but also to us. Because if if you're not aggressive and you and you're not you're not 100 committed, that's an advantage for the other guy. So his ability to do that, you know, gave us that advantage, and it's the same thing. You know, Peyton Manning's teams have had those. Brady's teams have had that. You know, Kurt Warner's teams had that. Um, Go down the list of any quarterback, you know, of any kind of significant ilk. That's the kind of thing they have. The difference is the guys that close games, the guys that steal games in in the other in in your opponent's uh, language uh, or fans, uh, those guys that steal the games are the guys that are, are feared the most. And actually, it, there's the least amount of surprise involved when they come back and do it, because people kind of expect it.
1: So I, I've always heard the story, and, and you can probably vouch for this, because I would imagine you were in the huddle for this. But uh, Super Bowl 23 and 89, fourth quarter, you guys are, are driving down the field. Did he seriously look up in the stands and recognize John Candy and talk about it in the huddle?
3: Well, actually, it was kind of a throwaway line. Um, It was before the drive started. We were was on like the seven or eight-yard line. We were basically huddled in the end zone. And he came back off a TV timeout into the huddle. And you could say we were a little uptight. We needed to drive like 92, 93 (laughs) yards to get a a touchdown or a touchdown to win, field goal to tie. Um, And he gets in the huddle and kind of looks around and – Candy was standing on the sideline. I say I
1: would imagine John exactly. Candy would be kind of hard to miss. He was a big dude.
3: Yeah, he well, he was on the Cincinnati sideline. So looking through the huddle, I guess Joe spotted him, and Harris Barton, who was our our young right tackle, uh, was wired pretty pretty tight and was pretty pretty much vibrating. He was so uptight. Um, and Joe just kind of goes, "Hey, H, is that John Candy?" <laughs> And everybody in the huddle looks over there and goes, huh, yeah, it is. And he goes, huh, how cool is that? All right, come on, let's go. And it, just, it was a tension breaker. That's awesome. But yeah, it was, uh, and it was one of those things about oh, 10 years later, there was an executive producer at CBS Sports named Terry Ewart, who was working with NBC back then. I think he was working on their um, their pregame show. And he had gotten John Candy that sideline pass. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So when he, yeah, because that was one of those stories that started and grew. And, you know, practically a guy was in the huddle with us by the time, <laughs> you know, things after after a while. And Eward came up to me at a at a seminar because the subject came up. And I just kind of, I didn't blow it off. I didn't make a big deal about it. And he goes, you know what? I, I sent you kind of hesitant to talk about it. I just want you to know that I'm the guy that gave him the pass that night. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, cool. So I'm not crazy.
1: Oh, that's a great story. That's awesome. Uh, Before I let you go, because I've certainly eaten up enough of your time today, uh, Brandon, who we recorded with earlier, unfortunately couldn't be here for the re-record because, well, my computer sucks. um, He wanted me to ask you about the big UCLA win over Ohio State in the Rose Bowl in 76.
3: Yeah, it was was pretty fabulous. We had played Ohio State earlier in the year in 76 or 75 um, and gotten just blasted. I think they beat us by 21 points. And we were, I want to say, 17, 18-point underdogs in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Ohio State was the number one team in the country, had a legendary coach in Woody Hayes, had a consecutive back-to-back years Heisman Trophy winner in Archie Griffin, had innumerable – I mean, I'm willing to bet you there were, if, there were, if there were 10, there should be 20 uh, NFL draft picks on that team from Ohio State. Um, but we ended up beating them in the Rose Bowl. And probably one of my lasting memories is we were up, I think at the time, 23 to 10 or something, and I was standing on the sideline. Uh, Ohio State had the ball. Or no, we had just gotten the ball back. And so he took out a few of the linemen. So we put our backups in and I'm standing next to Dick Vermeule. And Woody Hayes starts walking across the field. There's like a minute and 20 seconds left, but he just used his last time out. So they snap the ball and we, quarterback kneels down and Woody starts walking across the field. And Dick Vermeule looks over at one of his assistants standing with him and says, what the heck do I do? <laughs> And he goes, "Hey, it's Woody Hayes. Go shake his hand <laughs> you know? wow. but um yeah, that was a that was an incredible win. It really, really was, and it was you know for our, in my career, as little winning as we did early on with San francisco, that was uh, definitely the highlight of my early football career.
1: Well, I, I can only imagine, and I know Brandon uh, has some family that's diehard Ohio State fans, and, you know, I'm, I'm the contrarian. All of my family's from up there. So, you know, of course, me being the contrarian, I root for anybody that plays Ohio State. So thank you for that win. I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> no problem. No problem.
1: Randy, look, I appreciate the time. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media.
3: Yeah, well, my pleasure. Um, you know, it's, it's Twitter, Facebook, the whole thing. Uh, everyone knows, just go to the search bar, and you can find just about anybody in the world, social media-wise, or you just go to randycross.com, uh, and I would suggest you check out this week's uh, podcast, because my production people did a great Memorial Day tribute that the whole podcast kind of starts with, and it's pretty special, as it should be, recognizing the, the amazing people that have sacrificed what they have for our country.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Randy, thank you so much for the time. Again, he's Randy Cross, host of the Randy Cross podcast. You can find it again at YouTube, all of the uh, podcast platforms, you know, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, et cetera. Randy, again, thank you so much. I, I know I've been a total pain in the ass to you today, and thank you so much for being so gracious to let us re-record
3: this. Thank you, Jerry, and good good luck with all the craziness we're going through.
1: We want to thank Randy Cross for his time, such a good guy, someone I've I've talked to a million times over the years during my sports radio career, just just an all-around great guy and, you know, winner of the 1976 uh, Rose Bowl. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was
1: the Rose Bowl, right?
2: It was the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah the yeah, 76 Rose that, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was like a, a nickname for it, too. I'm looking for it right now. Well, the score was 41 to 20. So they killed them. Um, <laughs> but a uh, top ranked Ohio State, 1976 Rose Bowl victory. Largest one of the largest upsets in Rose Bowl history. Mm, yeah. Denied an, uh, an Ohio State University National Championship.
1: And you know there what? You 44 years later, I'm still OK with it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly okay with it. But yeah. again, you know, we want to thank Randy for his time. Some great insight. Love the story he shared. And I'd always heard it, but I, I wanted to get it, you know, from the horse's mouth about Joe Montana in that Super Bowl in 89, recognizing of all people John Candy on the sidelines. That's hysterical to me. Um, just some great stories from Randy, and we really appreciate the time. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, next week, uh, we've got, uh, a different kind of show, I think, because we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some of the stuff going on in our lives, and uh, you know, kind of get back into some stuff that uh, I-, I think you guys can all relate to. Um, you know, I I text Brandon last night with an interesting story, and I'm, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. I should have had it ready. Uh, an interesting story from the Washington Post about um, they call them adverse childhood experiences, or ACE. ACE um, that I think is going to really explain quite a bit of things uh, that, that we've talked about. And, and I think Brandon and I can both kind of hit on that from a different perspective. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's something that I think a lot of people are going to relate to because, you know, I know Brandon, you and I've talked before and, you know, I've, I've said a million times, you know, when it comes to self care, I, I suck at it. I just, I don't know how. You know, that's something that was never you know ingrained in my mind, and I never understood why until I read this article.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of good points in this thing, man.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I, I can't wait to really sink our teeth into that. So we're gonna do that next week. In the meantime, uh, guys, be safe, stay calm, try to relax as much as you can, because Lord knows there's enough shit going on in the world right now. Just sometimes disconnect you know whether it's social media the news tv whatever just for your own sanity sometimes you just got to do it you know
2: mm-hmm. i agree
1: so until next week he's brandon thompson my name is jerry Petuck. you can find him on social media at brandon promo you can find me on social media pretty much everywhere at jerry petak and until next week guys this has been the place for my head podcast don't forget to hashtag Get it out. This is a Landry football quick fix on Radio Influence.
0: We don't think enough about what we say in relation to how other people are going to feel when you say it. I'm guilty of it. I'm raising my hand. We all could do better. Drew Brees, I think, is that he is not perfect. He's not, no one's squeaky, clean, perfect. He's a good guy. He's proven to be the epitome of a football player on and off the field and a great teammate. But here's an example, and I want to take this example. Here's someone that passionately, in his myopic view, grandparents served in the war, grew up with unbelievable admiration of veterans. He has put in tons of money in the new veterans facility in New Orleans, the museum, and countless other things. What Drew did not understand and perhaps hasn't understood probably gets it now. I'm guessing he gets it now because he's put out a profuse apology. I'm sure it's because it has been a 24-hour or thereabouts, nightmare for him. His whole image is, in the eyes of many, tarnished. Respect level, maybe to some, significantly less than what it was, regardless of what side you take on that. That's your view. A lot of people think he just doesn't get it. A lot of those people, black players in his locker room, black players in the league. What Drew is, what Drew did, was not taken to effect How his viewpoint, while that's the way he feels about him, himself, does not put himself in the shoes of someone else in how they feel.
2: The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google
0: Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.